Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are on this beautiful planet. Welcome to the Reconnecting to the Artists Within podcast, inspiring you to crack open your creative vision and unleash it on the world. I am your host, Mike Murray, and I am super stoked to have you here listening to this episode today. As always, I have a wonderful guest lined up to interview on today's episode. So without further ado, let's jump right into this week's show. Hello, welcome to today's episode. We have a fantastic guest for you today. Her name is Miranda Cromwell. She is an animal artist and her paintings are fantastic. I absolutely love them. So I'm super excited to bring Miranda on to today's episode and hear all about her journey into being a full-time painter. So she's ready. Let's do it. Hello. Hello. How are you? (laughs) I am good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. Do you have a video? Do you have a camera? I here. Let me see. I'd love to see your face because there you yeah. are. Hello. Awesome. Hello. <laughs> it's fun because I have only seen your paintings. And before we got on the call, I was going mm-hmm. through your Instagram and your Facebook trying to find a picture of your face. And I could not. Oh, shucks. <laughs> elusive. I was, I'm like, very I was secretive, no I suppose. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea who I'm about <laughs> to get on a call with other than your paintings. So. Cool. Well, on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let me plug in another light here. I feel like I'm too just a little dark. I'll see if I can get some more. Man, that's a good call. I could yeah. do the same. So where are you sitting right now? It looks like you're in a in a van or a... I am I am in our travel trailer that that's we live awesome. in, actually. Um I'm in the bedroom. That's amazing. <laughs> there are paint swatches. We haven't even painted it, but um we just picked up a schoolie conversion yesterday um so yeah so we are going to start uh fixing that up and getting that to where we want it to be and then we can move in there and then we can have much more space for working and having a proper office instead of doing computer work on on the bed (laughs) oh man i I gotta tell you when i read schoolie i was so jealous i like i was like oh man that's that's a dream of mine for sure yeah it's kind of surreal (laughs) yeah that's amazing Mm. i saw a video and this people put a um a wood stove in their schoolie bus yeah yeah, a lot of people are really into the off-grid kind of aspect of it. Um, we're we're probably going to do shore power, um, but we we do have a wood stove in there. It's a 1920s Sears wood stove, and it's super cool looking. And the the chimney like detaches and everything. The the guy that we got it from was super great. We uh we we work and live on a homestead, so we were like we're kind of looking for something like you know half converted because you know we could convert the whole thing, but it's not really in our wheelhouse right now. We don't really have the like spoons for that. Um, but yeah, we we found it, and uh, the guy was super awesome. He threw in all sorts of cool stuff, just like yeah, take it, it's totally fine. So it was it was really cool. It was a good experience, and and I'm really excited for the extra studio space for real yeah yeah, yeah because <laughs> right now were... it's two people okay yeah and two people in... operating at a 200 square feet and two dogs <laughs> okay okay yeah two dogs what kind of dogs do you have yeah one of them's right here come here bean i see bean Ugh, this is bean what's up he's bean? a little chihuahua guy yeah That's cool 
Yeah, what's up, Bean? Yeah. yeah. The other guy's a little harder to put on screen. He's about 100 pounds. He's a husky Malamute shepherd mix. So, okay. Bubby, you want to come up? He's a big come guy. here. Come here. Come here Sometimes buddy. he can hop up on the bed. Sometimes he's. <laughs> nah. He's getting a little older. It's hard for him to hop up on the bed now, but yeah. Bean's here. He'll chill he? with us. Oh, I don't, he's a rescue, so I've had him for five or six years, so he's probably more like seven or eight now, but for a big dog, that's getting up there. That's old. Yeah, my dog is yeah. roughly 11, somewhere between 10 and 11. We, oh. we got her when mm-hmm. she was around three, supposedly. And uh, yeah, she's got some arthritis and stuff. She doesn't get up and down as quickly yeah. as she used to, and it really yeah. bums me That's out. That's so hard. It bums me it out. It is. I it's know. such a bummer. Yeah, but I knew what I was getting. <laughs> You're not into. allowed to get old. Stop getting old. I'm not allowed. <laughs> Just part of the journey, you know. They, yeah. They don't live as long. Mm-hmm. Rudyard Kipling actually wrote a really good poem about how sad it is that dogs don't live longer. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like a, I can't remember. It's a really good poem. I'll have to send it to you. But I was say, I'm writing this down right now. Kipling. It's relevant. Dog yeah. poem. It'll probably make me cry. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even listen to that Dolly Parton song about her dog. And it's not even a sad song. It's just how much she loved her childhood dog. And I'm like, uh, are going to cry? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. One of my favorite songwriters wrote a song about his cat. He wrote quite a few songs about his cat, but the final one was about the cat's passing. And I'm not even a cat person. I'm a dog person. And still, every time <laughs> yeah. I listen to that song, I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah. You know, when, when you love an animal and you see someone else with that same feeling, like it's hard, it's really hard not to empathize. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, cool. For sure. Yeah. Well, you're definitely an animal person. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that's hard to hide. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, um, <clears throat> let's let's jump right in, right Super. To, to to the to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Not that we haven't already. Um, <laughs> I never know how to like get into it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh well, okay. Like, should we do it now? Yeah, it's casual. <laughs> yeah, good, good. We could fix it in post. Fix it in post. <laughs> I have done that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, let's start with the, the, the one-liner about your story. Did you, did you have a chance to put that together? Sure. Let's do it. It ended up being a little longer than a one-liner, but I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. No, just like a, a synopsis. So, Tell me about it. Sure. So I would say that when you spend most of your life trapped in the pits of depression and habitual low self-esteem and a narcissistic partner, it can feel totally impossible to believe that you can do something like go freelance. But as soon as you escape those situations and you have time to heal and to grow, it feels like releasing a wild wolf back into the wild. And now you have all of your potential laid out in front of you. And I think mm. that's that's a that's a bit like where I'm at now. I the the conservationists have just opened my carrier door and I've bolted out into the woods. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh it's a funny that brings up an image. Um my wife works for an animal rights NGO and they they rescue chimpanzees and different creatures. And some of these creatures are kept in cages for Whoa. up to like thirty years or like they're kept in a garage. 
And then when they come out, it's so crazy to see them like come out into their new habitat. And a lot of times they can't be Mm -hmm. sort of put with other monkeys, but they still have their own open space outside. And it's wild to see them just like, oh, whoa, wait, I can go outside? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and a lot of them have not even like felt grass before you know i've seen uh i've seen people release like um test beagles from from Mm. you know their testing places and and they're like walking out onto the grass and just like what yeah tripping oh man but but it's it's so inspiring to see animals bounce back from stuff like that because they are so resilient and it's it's amazing to see like like rescue dogs you know being used to be terrible but he has gotten over all sorts of issues. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, humans are resilient too. And it sounds like you are. And I got chills when you said, you know, feels like a wolf has been released into the wild again. I was like, oh yeah, let (laughs) that work its way up my spine. That felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So great. So I'm going to guess that then prior to whatever transpired that made you, you know, yeah, less confident in your art that you were an artist growing up, like when you were younger, yeah. would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I started really seriously drawing as more of a hobby and uh, and like a passion when I was probably in grade school. I was probably maybe like, like sixth grade, which might have been like nine or 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really, because I started really getting into uh, like things like Pokemon and Neopets and little little funny fantasy animal things like that. It was really into dragons and that. So I would do little dragon drawings on all of my little peachy folders that they have when you take tests, you know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, people were like, Oh, wow, that's really good. And I'm like, Oh, really? So I just kept going. And, uh, and it just, you know, as I kept doing it, because it was super fun. Um, it, just kind of kept going and my art teachers were all super uh supportive and we would do little art shows you know we'd um my, my high school art teacher in particular was really inspiring she mm-hmm. I think kind of instilled the spark of of like you know wanting to be an artist when I grew up um but yeah and um Unfortunately, in high school, you know, everybody's so like hormonal and just I I had a lot of fear growing up. I was never a very courageous child. So when it came to, um, you know, thinking like, oh, maybe I could, you know, sell my art for a living, go freelance or whatever. I was just like afraid of that possibility. I was afraid Mm -hmm. of taking risks, you know, and so I I kind of wrote it off for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so but, you wrote uh, it off, and then did you go to college then? Mm-hmm. Did you, you went to college, all right. Yeah. Did you go for art I definitely art or still else? was like, I did go for art, yeah. I actually went to the University of Washington, and I graduated from their kind of newer degree program. It's called the Interdisciplinary Visual Arts Program. Mm-hmm. So I spent my, actually my, my last class, which was the 400 portfolio class, we did an art show at the library, and I actually shared showing space with like video majors and ceramicists and um someone did a big woven piece so it was it was kind of cool to not be like pigeonholed it's like I wasn't in a painting degree you know surrounded by painters it was more conceptual and with more of kind of like a modern art kind of vibe 
if I could describe it that way, but it, okay. it was really good. And I did, I learned a ton going to college and um, it was, even though it wasn't like a proper art school and I didn't go for the full four years, um, I did like a community college before that, but yeah. it was always art oriented because at the time during all of my periods of low self-esteem and walking depression. And at some point I got sucked into a narcissistic relationship, which does not facilitate personal growth. Go figure. Um, I kept on telling myself like, well, this is the only thing I'm good at. So I might as well just keep doing it, you know, uh, but I'm just going to work retail for the rest of my life, uh, you know, and now, looking back on me saying those things to myself, I realize that the language that we use when we talk to ourselves is remarkably important. Like, Isn't if it? you continually, yeah, and, and I think that you get it, because I see your posts on, <laughs> on the group, and they're always just spot on. Like, the attitude is the hardest part, you it's know? It's, like, so important. It's, like, you can, anybody can learn, yeah, you can you can get the skills by practice, you can learn how to do all sorts of stuff. You can learn everything on YouTube, you know? There's no yeah. fear for learning that. It's just the fear of failure or like asking for help if, you know, it's like, I didn't sell any paintings this month. Can someone help me with my mortgage, you know? Mm. It's, and uh, learning the, the proper language to talk to yourself to, you know, like talk yourself out of that fear is really the hardest part. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so prevalent because of, well, the things that happen to us when we're growing up that deplete our confidence, whether it's parents, teachers, mentors, friends, peers, mm -hmm. narcissistic relationships, right? It just like crushes our self-esteem. Yeah. And we have a society built around an idea. It's so pervasive. We hear it all the time. Like, oh, well, you can't make a living as an artist. You can't make a living as a musician. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Just yeah. get a normal job. Just get a good job. You know, you, my parents used yeah. to go, oh, you can do your passions on the side. You'll have time for like music and painting and stuff on the side. And you start thinking, you start believing those things. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's what the that's what society is telling you. And it's, you know, as hard as you try to be, you know, like counterculture or like, you know, ooh, society bad, you know. As hard as you try to be that person, it is just like it's on all sides, you know. It's like Yeah, and, and ultimately we're I'm, I'm really thankful. Go on. And I'm really thankful that I actually had a lot of really good mentors growing up. I had um actual freelance artists in my life who like taught me a lot of really valuable skills mm. and and seeing people on similar like Facebook groups like your group and um like artists this one that's called artists trying to make a living creating and yeah. I hate the trying in there it's like ooh bad ooh, yeah, bad yeah, words yeah. but yeah. <laughs> it's like we're trying you know say but I see people in there yeah exactly yeah. I see people in there and they they I, I see them asking these questions and I thought, oh, wow, I had someone teaching me that when I was like 15 or 16 and that's like really valuable and I get that that's kind of uncommon, but I had um, a lot of really good mentors. Um, so that is really cool. I think it's just a lot of my self-esteem came from just being a little cowardly little child. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but you just got to deal with it when you, you notice it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the key too is noticing the stories that you are playing inside your mind so mm -hmm. you can say like oh i don't know i don't have to be it doesn't have to be that way right? yeah. to encounter those stories
Mm -hmm. I really like the works of Terrence McKenna. And one of the things that he um, puts forward is that language is basically magic. Mm. Like language is like telepathy. You can say something and it puts the thought in someone's head. And so if you use your magic, um, like wisely towards yourself and towards others, it's, it's remarkably like powerful. I think that's what the episode is going to be called. Language is magic. magic. <laughs> use it, use it wisely. Right. Because it's so, yeah. it's so true. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I used to always say to myself or out loud to friends and family, like, Oh yeah, well, I'm just going to get a job and that's going to help fund my passion so that I just have it time for the, you know, the passion on the side. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I realized like, this is a nonsense idea because it's, I'm literally not doing my passion <laughs> nearly as much because of all the effort I'm putting into this job that I have to try and somehow fund it on the yeah. back end or wait till retirement to, to do it again. I mean, it's just, it's nonsense. Ugh. I hate that mentality that it's like, oh, you can have all of your fun and live your life after you're retired. It's like, what? So when I'm old and tired and can't do anything, yeah. <laughs> I don't buy that. Yeah. I want to live a yeah. life where I, I don't yeah, want that... to retire. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know I, mean? I, Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. Um, it's like, I would, I would rather, you know, spend my years doing things that I love and, you know, gaining, uh, you know, it's, I feel like people like us and artists, you know, we're not, we're not out to strike it rich, you know, none of us have aspirations of owning three Lamborghinis, you know, it's like, I just want security. Yeah. I just want to be able to safely do the things that I would like to do. I, I don't think that the world that we live in is conducive to just living a human life. It's, it's so bizarre. Yeah. I want to <laughs> breathe I'm, easy. Yeah. It's just, I want to go pick berries in the woods and paint things. That's all yeah. I want. <laughs> Hopefully we're moving towards it though. I know it seems like mm-hmm. there's a lot of systems in place that are preventing us from that type of lifestyle, but it feels like our generation is dismantling a lot of those older power structures and systems. And yeah, you know, those dinosaurs are really good to see. Yeah. Those dinosaurs are mm-hmm. dying. I think they're dying faster than yep. we, that we even realize. And it's pretty exciting. I saw a talk mm-hmm. on YouTube about the third and you know, the third revolution that's coming and as far as just not like not like the type they're broadcasting on mainstream media he called it the third industrial revolution just talking about how like you know cars will some like how we don't own cars but we want transportation we want movement and freedom to move around Mm -hmm. but we don't own cars right we don't own homes i don't own a home you know yeah yeah and so yeah and it's so so it's so rare to to find people who do like own real estate in in our age group you know oh. i'm i'm really lucky that i i teamed up with a friend and we all co-signed on some property so mm. you know we're like co-owners and that's about as close as a lot of people can get which is still mm. good and i'm still yeah, yeah. really like privileged to be in this position but you know it, it just breaks my heart to see all of these really hard-working brilliant people just getting you know mucked up by the system yeah yeah but, well, you know, the news this week has been interesting. News. There's been a rebellion <laughs> against the system as far as games. <laughs> yes. That's amazing to watch unfold. I love it. And that. really like, entertaining. Yeah. It's like stick it to them, man. Let's <sighs> do this. I know. I can just imagine the billionaires. It's like a cartoon. They're like running back and forth. It's like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. Their feet are running under them. Like, oh, no, what do we do? 
the proletariats are utilizing the systems that we have in place. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> but a great example of our generation figuring out how can we essentially like poke holes in this until it sinks. Yeah. You know? So it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. amazing. It is really entertaining to watch, honestly, especially when you have just no part in it at all. You're like, ooh, yeah. wow. I wish great. I did. I was like, oh, I wish I was on the internet more and I could watch the stock. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, no, I'm always, I'm over here Googling everything that's happening. I'm just like, someone who knows about the stock market, tell me. Yeah, I literally tried to explain it to my wife and I was like, yeah, so I don't really know how they did it or what happened, but I know that they screwed them good and... That makes me very happy. <laughs> they got him. Yeah, oh, it's the oh. little things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gives you exactly. a little bit of hope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Well, so you went to college. When did when did mm-hmm. when did some of the trouble start? When did some of the the self doubts and the lack of confidence like what happened? I would say that when I was graduating college, it was about 2015, and I was, it was kind of like the perfect storm. So I was graduating, and I had a lot of bad habits that were growing that I Mm -hmm. didn't have the training to realize I was developing. It was a lot of negative self-talk. It was a lot of hopelessness and a lot of catastrophic thinking. And my partner at the time was enormously, like, after it, w- it had ended, I, you know, was looking up narcissistic personality types, and they just, they hit every single bullet point, like, down to the parental bringing up kind of thing. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> that's what was going on. And, and, you know, it's not that I'm blaming it all on them. It's just that was a big contributing factor because at the time I was so like dedicated to that person and I was, I'm, I'm very loyal and trusting, but don't always put it in the right place. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was also taking care of all of our pets at the time we had, you know, in, in, in flux, we had, fish and reptiles and ferrets and dogs and all sorts of animals and I realized now that that was like a coping mechanism for me I wanted to care for something and to have that responsibility but Mm. it was like I had to take care of all of those pets and I was working and paying pretty much all of our bills give or take whatever year it was and I was going to school So when I graduated, I was just working and trying to sell my art on the side and running my website and kind of doing it as like a side hustle and just trying not to go nuts from that with also not having the tools to like maintain that level of work. And I burned out so fast all the time. And, you know, and even after that relationship ended, I met my current landmate and we moved to a small plot of land a little bit farther away and we had aspirations of doing a tiny house community on, you know, our little two and a half plot of land. Mm -hmm. But we ran into permitting issues and we were living in trailers and we didn't have any water and we didn't, we only had electricity and internet and we would have to drive to the lake that was nearby and use the outhouse for our bathroom Mm. And we would carry our water from the neighbors. Well, and it was just really, really hard. And I actually had my first panic attack at that property. 
because we were working on some sort of like crappy barn building, trying to put up a ceiling and it wasn't working. And we just had no idea what we were doing. And looking back, it was like, wow, we were so naive. And it's like, you know, at the time you, you want something greater for yourself. You, you want to believe that you can. And so you just go for it. But that was, it was a good learning experience looking back on it. Um, So throughout all that time, I was not talking to myself the right way. And I was not developing healthy coping mechanisms. And, you know, I was still trucking with the art and I still put it out and you know but uh it it took until getting this new property and having that security and you know knowing your limits and then going to therapy honestly I have benefited greatly from it and I'm so happy that I found someone who can help me and who takes my insurance (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. too hard in the United States to do this it's But I finally got there, and that has helped monumentally. When did that start? It actually started right as the coronavirus started affecting everything. Okay. So, which was kind of interesting timing. Uh, I've only ever seen my therapist in person one time because I saw her in February, and then March happened, and I was put on standby. I was laid off, but put on standby, started collecting unemployment going to therapy and it was surreal to not have to have a day job for a while and it kind of hit me that you know because I was still making art at that time because of course I was and I was the most productive creating pieces in 2020 that I was at any other time even in college doing art assignments and stuff like yeah yeah and and it hit me that all I need was the time to to uh actually produce more work and to sit down and focus all of my time on my art career and so it took the lockdown and the virus and being laid off for that to happen and I guess sometimes all you need is like a kick in the pants to get things started (laughs) it's been the theme of this whole year of podcast episodes like the majority of people I've interviewed have had a very similar story of how the pandemic caused enough of a shakeup in their normalcy to give it a go towards their passions. It's, it's amazing. Like what a blessing. Yeah. Right. I mean, I have a broken yeah, elbow super, right now. Super weird. <laughs> yeah. There was the oh. coronavirus. So I had months off last year. Work was closed. And then I broke my elbow at the end of December and I've been off and I'm going to be off for at least two months. It looks like. And uh, honestly, I'm having a great time with a broken wow. elbow. I'm like, this is amazing. Now I don't have to go to work. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm, you know, just like able to, I can't do as much as I would musically with a broken elbow, but I can do, you know, quite a bit of vocals and songwriting and stuff, uh, you know, and uh, I told yeah, my wife, I made a joke absolutely. with her. And it gives you time to, <clears throat> it gives you time to think, you know, yeah. and it gives you time to reflect. And when I was growing, you know, when I was, you know, in my dark period I didn't realize how much time it took to really like focus on getting better I thought that you would just like get better over time without trying you know but now Mm. it's like you have to actually identify things and fix them and it takes it takes time and I think coronavirus gave us all a lot of time yeah that's an excellent point I appreciate that awareness because I often wonder like why wasn't I making this much music years ago five years ago 
but actually a lot of the during that time was seeing different therapists and healers and you know guides that were helping me work through my my stuff Mm -hmm. you know and you're right it does take time that's an important thing to 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 recognize give yourself the time Mm -hmm. okay yeah and Mm -hmm. and it's it's funny how you can in the same breath realize that you have healing to do but then hold yourself to an unrealistic standard of healing like it's gotta happen today you know it's like all right yeah i'm so so aware but like oh you know i can since i'm so aware i can just fix it you know (laughs) yeah like it happens right away like oh okay so now that i'm aware of that all better and it's like no you're still gonna deal with those things yep exactly now you just have have the tools (laughs) to deal with them yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you just know what to do. It's like a, it's a quote that I like from a song that I heard once. It said a, like a shaman or a healer will show you where to dig, but you have to do the digging yourself. Oh, that's a good, that is a good line. Do you remember who the artist was? I want to say it was the band Wookie Foot. I want to say it was some sort of similar sounding band. Not name-wise, but like thematic-wise. I know, right? (laughs) And it's funny because their music is not even at all Star Wars related. So I'm like, where did this name come from, guys? (laughs) Oh, yeah. My friend Jimmy. I'll I'll have to find out which song that was. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, my buddy Jimmy plays keyboard and he's really plugged into like the music scene and, and, you know, sort of the big festival scene. And he always said that word, Wook. Wook or Wookie. And uh, it cracks me up every time I hear it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what, I mean, okay, so you went through the dark period, you know, like what happened in the relationship in the sense that got you out of the relationship? How did you get past that? Gosh, it was a lot. I think that the, the final point, so basically, I'm going to say this and it's an intensely personal but I want to say it just in case anybody else might find themselves in this position and awesome. they, Thank you. I don't want them to fall into it the way that I did. It was uh, my partner and I did not have really good chemistry towards the end of things. And it was to the point where I even thought that I might be asexual, like mm. not sexually attracted to anyone. And that's why we were not like jiving so well and Mm -hmm. I was like oh it's a personal revelation it's definitely not anything to do with you even though it was um (laughs) and we made the decision yeah we made the decision to go um open to open our relationship and so my partner would see other people and you know not in a romantic way but in a you know releasing that kind of tension and and then that transitioned into oh let's be polyamorous and you know cool laid-back Miranda that I was I was like yeah that's cool I'm hip let's try it and uh it was not if I had trained myself to listen to my feelings the way that I'm working on now I would never have done that Mm. um but at the time I just wanted things to be fine and I wanted them to work. And I thought, well, if this is what it's going to take for it to work, then okay. And, and it's like the analogy that I like to use is boiling a frog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know that you're in the boiling water until you're boiled. Yeah. yeah. And, um, 
And so a new character came into our lives. Um, he goes by Wyatt now. And he, at the time, was um, going to be our third, and it was a romantic thing. It, we, it was uh, kind of a polycule, I don't know. The terminology for polyamory is really, like, there's a Got lot. Me. But yeah. basically, we were both dating my partner, and that was, like, what was happening. And, um, and as Wyatt and I became really good friends, we you know, he started confiding in me, like, um, I don't like the way that your partner talks to you. And I don't like the way he treats you. Mm. And he kind of helped open my eyes to the reality of my situation, to where I was basically like a surrogate parent for my partner. Mm. And my partner would say things to me like, okay, well, I won't get too into it. But anyway, it was bad. No, you can and, if you want to. I mean, you know, people like vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true but basically I'll tell you one because it's kind of funny in retrospect but basically okay. my partner was um his mom was paying for him to go to school and he okay now I'm getting confused I've misgendered him he's transitioned now and his name is Penelope her name is Penelope oh my god okay okay I don't really keep track of them anymore but okay so so Penelope at the time they were um being in they were in college for just an associate's degree finally and they were not working and their mom was paying for everything and I was working and doing my art and taking care of the pets and all that and they were smoking a bunch of weed all the time and I was paying for all of it and they you know at that time weed became legal in Washington so it was like woo all the time (laughs) and 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 they would say things like um, Miranda, can we, can, uh, can you buy me the new Final Fantasy game so I can play with the guys? And I was like, well, you know, it's like 80 bucks. I can't, we can't really afford it right now. We got to save money and all that. And, and they were like, they got kind of pouty and they were like, well, I feel like I deserve it, you know, cause I've done really well in school and, and I want to play with the guys and it's, you know, oh, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and then Wyatt told me later was like, that's like a conversation you have with your mom or not your partner. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you want it, you could get a job and pay for it yourself. Like, I don't know. No, you're so right. Cause as you, were, as you were telling me, I, I was like, it. I don't think I've ever said that to my wife. Like, well, I no. deserve it. <laughs> No, Can it's, it's not something you should say. You buy that for me? I deserve it. I've yeah. Been good, I've been a good boy. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, no. I put then, the dishes yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, and in the same breath, they would say, you know, they would, like, nag me for not picking up my clothes or something, mm. and it was like... I think the, the final moment when Wyatt was like, I can't do this anymore, was like... Uh, you know, ex-partner came in and was like, could you tell Miranda to pick up her stuff? And and Wyatt was like, no, I'm not going to tell Miranda to do that because that's ridiculous and you're a child. <laughs> nice. And uh, and to this day, Wyatt and I, because we have uh, uh, that that kind of past in common, we, we still like to kind of gripe about it. It's kind of cathartic, but. Well, it sounds like know. Wyatt was a important it's, person in your life then who helped like open your eyes to what yeah. was going on. Yeah. And, and now exactly. And, and it really, and it's funny because after the breakup happened, like many of my friends and many of my family members came to me and Wyatt and were like thanking him 
like, thank you so much for helping Miranda escape, you know? Mm. And then we went to that other property and that was very hard. And then we went to this new property, which is much more secure and has plumbing and all of that, all of the amenity, you know, amenities of modern life. And we, and it's five acres and it's more in the woods and we're much happier here now. And we can have um, our homestead that we wanted. And I have a new partner now who's fucking amazing. And Oh, sorry. Are we allowed to swear? Yeah, you, you totally are allowed to swear. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. It's how passionate that I feel. I love um, it. But yeah, so it's, it's so much healthier now and it's just over the years of being with him, it's been like eye-opening, like, oh, wow, my past relationship really was that terrible. And I really was so stunted for a long time. And it's, it, it's just like the, your, your life solidifying into the life that you not deserve, but the life that you need to help facilitate more personal growth. And it's really nice to have that now. That's amazing. I'm happy to hear that for you. Thank you. So is Wyatt part of the homestead then? Is, does he live on the property? Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wyatt and I uh, co-own co-own cool. the land. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Five acres and you've got some friends around? It's very cool. You know, it comes with its challenges. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's that been really sense. nice with people during the pandemic, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think about some of my friends who live by themselves and I'm like, wow, you know, it's gotta be a challenge. Yeah. Like I'm pretty good on my own, but I do have my wife and my dog here and it's like not that alone. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's been really nice having pets during the, during the time too. You can go out, take more walks and stuff. Yeah. It almost felt normal. And they're very happy to have me home all the time. <laughs> totally. It's made my dog a spoiled brat in a sense where she's so attached to the hip now because it's 24 <laughs> seven human. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, you know, we might be working mm-hmm. on our laptops or something, you know, my wife, especially, but we're still home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. it's great for the dogs. I mean, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Family is so important for dogs. <laughs> it's like the best. Yeah. I mean, they just, they know what's good. That's the thing I like about animals. They don't, they're, they're not ego driven like humans can be too often. They're just, Mm -hmm. they know what's good and they, they just live their little lives. It's very refreshing. Yeah. Well, because they know what's good, they're awfully selfish sometimes. My dog's like, well, no, I'm going to lay on this pillow. (laughs) I'm going to lay on it. I know this is your pillow, but I'm going (laughs) to try. And like every night it's like, well, I'm just going to see if maybe tonight I can lay on it. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes I wake up and Bean is like right here yeah, next yeah, to yeah. my face. It's like, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I love me some dog nuzzles. Yeah. Okay. All right. So why it helped. And then you started, what happened after that? Like, what was the process of building your confidence back up and, and working through some of uh, the emotional baggage there? Well, I already mentioned therapy. That certainly did help a lot. Um, that's recent. So, I mean, this. Yeah. When did the breakup happen, timeline-wise? It was 2016. Yeah, so there's four years so, in between there where you still things yeah. were must have been changing and moving in the direction of even going to therapy, right? Because that takes mm-hmm. courage and everything. Yeah. It. Um, so basically, 2016 to 20. 18 
um, we were at the, we called it Pallet Town, was the first property that mm -hmm. didn't have any water or anything. And that was our, our kind of first foray into alternative living. Um, and we were both living in um, RVs, and I, I was living in this trailer for a year there. And during that first year, I, it, it was definitely like life was in total flux. I didn't have any time to sit down and like be with my feelings as often, but I felt a really strong pull towards um, like having more ritual or having more like spirituality in my life. And I'm not like a religious person. I was raised in a really agnostic household and my parents, you know, were like, really chill about stuff like that. So I never really thought that I needed something like that, but mm -hmm. I turned towards um, more, I've always been more of like a nature spirituality kind of person, not kind of like pagan adjacent. I don't know. Okay. I don't really have a word for it, but it's just the, the like wonder and the peace and the, the just that nature exists at all is, is kind of where I'm at. But yeah. Um, I, I kind of felt a tug towards that direction, which I think was my very first inkling of, you know, you you need to be in, you need to fix something. There's something that needs to heal here. And um, and once we got out of Pallet Town in, um, I think it was 2018, um, and we had this new property, Doghouse Homestead. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that was really when I started to have more stability and you know you don't you don't know how much you miss something like a toilet or running water until you imagine. have it again yeah, I can imagine. yeah. <laughs> you know and i tell people it's like yeah i carried my water for two years they're just like what yeah. like <laughs> yeah and um what was I getting at? Oh, yeah. So, and then we came to this property. And I think that's the moment when I was finally able to just like not be in survival mode for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of people are in survival mode, and that's just not a good time to try to do anything productive. You know, mm -hmm. you're just trying to stay alive. And that's kind of where I was at. And once I was out of it, I started realizing, like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That was hard. And now I'm not struggling to survive whoa what's this like you know and I got a different job that was closer and it was 40 hours customer service job at a local print shop um pretty pretty good job but mm -hmm. really stressful and hard to learn and mm -hmm. 40 hours a week which was actually the most that I had ever worked I was usually a part-time kind of person yeah and that was a big culture shock to me because we live in a rural area and the values are not quite aligned in every way. And so it was kind of hard to like be around people like that. And it was also hard to be in a customer service position. If you've ever been there, then you know. Uh, yeah, um, I've worked in and also learning all of yeah, yeah. You have to be nice to people that are mean to you and it sucks. <laughs> but um yeah, and then and then having that stability and paying the mortgage and stuff, but then I started reading a lot more. Like that job was so hard and taxing that it kind of pushed me. I was like, "You know what? I'm going to start saving money and I'm going to get a nice good financial cushion 
and I'm going to go freelance one day. You know, it started to become more of a goal, especially as my art skills became, became better. Um, Yeah. So it was, uh, it was something that I was working towards and then coronavirus happened. I was Mm -hmm. put on standby and my co I remember my coworker saying the lady that worked at the front desk with me, she was like, I'll see you in a week. This will all just blow over, and wow. I have not been back in a year. So <laughs> that's wow. that's that's how fast and hard that hit us, you know. And I live in a pretty not sparsely populated. It's not like no man's land. Like people live here, but it's not it's not like Seattle or Olympia. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a hub. And uh, you know, we thought, oh, you know, our county will be fine, and then it was not fine. <laughs> You know, one of the important but, distinctions. Um, I, I started heard... reading a lot more too. Sorry, I wanted to draw something out there. Oh, yeah. And then I so I started. Give... Um... <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, the timing of the the video back and forth, but um, no, that I thought yeah. it was interesting. You mentioned that um, you know you you set the goal in mind, right? I think that's important to draw out. Like you were like, okay, well, I'm going to mm-hmm. work this job and I'm going to build up a cushion, but like I'm headed towards freelance artist. And you mm-hmm. knew where you were going and you were taking action steps there. And, you know, I fully believe, you know, that the universe conspires in our favor, right? So you were, you were, you were saying, Hey, universe, yeah. like, this is where I'm going. I'm going to be a freelance artist. And mm-hmm. then in your, you know, from your perspective as a human, you know, the, that creates a sort of dynamic where the, coronavirus and the pandemic is like is a blessing because you've already been moving in that direction it's not like you you know coronavirus right. happened and you're like oh shit what do i do now you were you're you're already headed straight towards it and um i think that's important to, to recognize yeah like, and it was no but i was just gonna say sometimes people yeah you know they um they're like they don't know where they're going there's not a clear enough vision of the future or where they want to take it. They're just like, Oh, I just, I paint, you know, maybe it'd be cool to sell it someday. I don't know. And it's like, no, you use your magic, use your language and your thoughts and know where you're headed and speak mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that just getting older and um, growing up and getting to know yourself a little bit better helps a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's unrealistic to expect someone graduating college to have a perfect idea of what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Amen. Like, I, I'm turning 30 in less than a month, and mm-hmm. I'm more solidified in my personal identity, and I can identify my feelings a lot better. And it, <laughs> it sounds so cheesy, but it's, it matters, and it's it helps cheesy. a lot. <laughs> That's not cheesy. Not yeah. cheesy at all. It's so true. I grew so much in my late 20s to then when I hit 30s, it was like, wow, like I'm a brand new person. This is yeah. it's amazing. It's great. I, the 20s, it, there's, it's, it's going back to what society tells you is true and just believing it, you know? They tell you like, oh yeah, and your 20s is so fun and great. Huh. And then you're like, my 20s were spent wallowing basically and not knowing where I was going or what I was doing and just being like, well, I'm still painting, I guess, you know? And, yeah. and, and now it's like you're, you're older and you realize that you can just be the captain of your own story and it's really cool and refreshing and I'm super excited. I'm running towards those woods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Be the captain of your own story. 
Yeah. Couple good quotes here. <laughs> Speaking of quotes, there is one quote that particularly um that my my partner turned me on to the teachings of Terrence McKenna. You you mm-hmm. might like his guy. He's really quirky. I'm He's I'm really... familiar with him. I know who he is. Nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But you so you've heard the nature loves courage quote, right? No, I haven't. Go ahead, please. Oh, I'll read it to you. Oh, it's good. It's please. it's one of the things that kind of taught me that it was okay to to like take risks. So mm. it goes, nature loves courage. You make the commitment and nature will respond to that commitment by removing impossible obstacles. Dream the impossible dream and the world will not grind you under. It will lift you up. This is the trick. This is what all these teachers and philosophers who really counted, who really touched the alchemical gold, this is what they understood. This is the shamanic dance in the waterfall. This is how magic is done, by hurling yourself into the abyss and discovering it's a feather bed. I'm getting straight up full body chills still right now. That's amazing. <laughs> I took that in super hard. It's, it's the thing that really, really, I think, has helped mm. a lot. I actually... I actually had it printed on, when I worked at the print shop, we did like mugs and stuff. I actually had it printed on a mug. I was like, I want this. Oh yeah. <laughs> I amazing. need this in my life. Yeah. Some things just really resonate with you. Yeah. Signposts are important too, because it helps every time you see that you're training, you're literally training yourself. You know what I mean? Like you see that mug and then it's like, yeah. oh yeah, the quote, perfect. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that. I do that. I actually, I have a, um, a grease pencil that I use and I write on all of the like metal window frames around the trailer. Every time I have a really good thought, I'll just write it on the wall. You know, this is my space. I don't care. I'm an artist. Do whatever yeah. I want. But I, I'll write down little revelations and stuff. And it's like a, a little like, um, it's like when you, you have a kid growing up and you do the little tick marks on the walls, they're growing and they're growing taller. It's like me, I'm writing all my quotes. It's like, oh yeah, that was when I had that revelation. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's, and it helps to surround yourself with that that mentality and those messages absolutely i used to write Again, on the language yeah yeah i used to write on the back of my door in my apartment in queens and i would yeah. do the same thing the whole back of the door was just loaded with inspirational quotes and uh yeah it's important stuff sounds great miranda absolutely so what were some of the i mean quotes? you know some some inspirational quotes you know <laughs> no go ahead Oh, I was just making a comment about quotes. Um, like so, sometimes they're like a little too vague, and the quotes only mean something if if they mean something. Like the quote is not the tool; it's more like the fulcrum. You know, if you yes. need the quote at the time, then it helps you. But if it's just like hang in there, you know, kitten on a branch, you're like, be happy. Hanging in there is hard, kitten. Be happy. What do you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just smile. Like think positive. <laughs> it's not helpful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, I mean, that Terrence McKenna quote, it really did give me full body chills to the point where when I get things like that, I take that as a sign that I'm like, okay, I need to go read some Terrence McKenna and look him up. I've seen some of his talks on like old talks that you find on YouTube and he sort of ran Mm -hmm. in the same circle as some of the books that I've read and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of it is just, just wild. Like I like to prime people if I tell people about him. I'm like, first of all, very bizarre. Second of all, just really fun to listen to like yeah, take yeah. it with a grain of salt some of it like the ufos and stuff are like well okay you know in, engage with it in a fun way but <laughs> you know the a lot of the more philosophical things and the talks about culture and art and uh, even like you know 
the patriarchy and technology and stuff. It's, it's all really, it's, it's insightful. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think mushrooms will help you with that. You know, he was big into what do yeah. they call ethno something? Is that what it, what's it called? Oh, he was uh, an ethnobotanist. Ethnobotany, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of my friends. But are the really term for a, a yeah, the term for a, a natural source of I think it's like a mind-altering substance is an entheogen. Hmm, entheogen. Okay, which cool. is one of my favorite words. Yeah, I love entheogens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, your artwork gives me that impression. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good <laughs> yeah you know yeah got some hints of like alex gray as far as like you know some of the textures that you have going on in the background and things you know cool. alex gray is yeah alex gray is is awesome yeah. i really want to uh read one of his books he has like an art um uh, like thoughts or something it's like a him just like musing on the nature of art it's like yeah i would really mm-hmm. like to to read that he seems like a really neat person cool all right. Well, so, so you, what, what books, what other books were you reading in between like 2018, 2020, you had this time, like what were some of the like sort of integral books? I'm assuming you were reading some, some books that were like self-development and growth and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've always been really suspicious of like self-help books. Um, so I always kind of try to vet them a little bit before I read them. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the ones, there, there have been a few that have really helped. One of them was um, the, what is it? It's like a emotional, rational behavior therapy or something. It's okay. by um, Albert Ellis. And it's basically like, going back to the language it's like you need to talk to yourself better and you can rationalize your feelings and you can identify them better and and stuff like that so that that one was pretty helpful just to kind of prime me for then later going to therapy and and it you know and even the book says you know this is not a replacement for therapy but it may help you and so it it did help a little bit and there was another book that I read Actually, it was a self-published book by the artist um, Rafi Perez, and he runs a YouTube channel called Rafi Was Here. I think you would like him. He talks a lot about the the, like art attitude and um, has a lot of really good talking points that I think that you would like. Um, I'm writing that down. And yeah, and he he put out, so I've been following his YouTube, and he put out a book called The Rogue Artist Survival Guide. Okay. And I will say that it is a little bit rough. because it's it's his first book and his first uh, self-published book, but every now and again I would read something in there and I'd be like, "Wow, that's absolutely true!" Like, "Wow, Rafi, that's like so insightful." And you remember one? I figured, like, what was something? Do you remember? It was. It was around the same kind of attitude of like you know you kind of create your own reality in your head. Like if you tell yourself that you can't do something then you can't you know but if you tell yourself i'm gonna do my best and try it then that's that's how you know that's a that's a much better like step in the right direction Mm -hmm. and it was um and it was like dealing with fear and you know fear is healthy up into a certain point you know you can't be so afraid of things that you never do anything and it was and sometimes it was like him talking to me it was like yeah oh Rafi, I, I see that you see me. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. 
and you know, and, and and as rough around the edges as the book is, there are definitely some some diamonds in the rough in there. Cool. Yeah, and I figured, hey, you know what? If Rafi can do this, then so can I. And it was like a weird revelation. I remember we, it was May and we were still in the lockdown and I was journaling and I was like, still in the lockdown. This is weird. And it was beautiful. And one of the first sunny days of the year and my partner and I were sitting outside and like listening to the birds and I was reading this book and I just, it just kind of hit me. I was like, why have I been putting this off for so long? I'm just going to do it. And then putting what off? I got, uh, just starting art, my art career, like cool. really going ham, cool freelancing and yeah. just hitting the ground running. And so I made an action plan and I talked to my therapist about it. And one thing that she said that also helped spur me in this good direction was um, I, I, I mentioned one of my insecurities. I was like, you know, it's the it's the pandemic. The economy is super stressed out. I don't know if this is the right time for people to be buying art. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, is this justified in, in the grand scheme of things? Like, should I go work at the grocery store instead or something? And then she said, I think this is the perfect time to sell artwork. Like people are at home. I mean, first on a logistical standpoint, people are at home a lot. They are bored with the things they are seeing. They need new things. And, you know, some people are earning twice as much on unemployment than they are um yeah. just it, at their normal job because of the federal stimulus and so she was like no now is the perfect time for art go Great for therapist. it <laughs> i mean can you imagine yeah like what how integral <laughs> yeah how integral that was too because like imagine another therapist being like mm -hmm. yeah you know you're right it's not a good time right they could have had a completely different perspective yeah and you really aligned with somebody mm -hmm. like that supports you that's amazing in a yeah. Yeah, and awesome. and I think that she saw that that that's what I needed maybe or mm -hmm. just, you know, she genuinely thought that like, yeah, no. Now's a great time for it. Why not, you know? And I shared it on a on a Facebook art group and everybody was like, "Oh, I needed to hear this. Thank you." Like it was really really cool. So I was able to like share that with other people and that helped a lot. Powerful. That's awesome. So were there any challenges like getting to this place mentally that you like, what were, do you remember some of the challenges and some of the things that helped you? I'm assuming reading and, and, you know, mm -hmm. obviously Wyatt yeah. and recently your therapist and everything. Yeah. Um, that, that actually reminds me of another quote from Rafi's book. Um, he had a similar situation to me in that he had a stable job Mm -hmm. at working for a company doing some sort of marketing thing and the company went under and went bankrupt and he was laid off and then he got another job very similar that company also went under and he was laid off and he's like I kept on choosing all of the things that society was telling me are stable and wise but then I keep getting like you know, this keeps happening. And so he decided, he came to the conclusion that the only security is when you make it. Mm. And that reminds yeah. me of another Terrence McKenna quote <laughs> that I like quite a lot. <laughs> Not to sound like a broken record or anything. That's okay. But um, if you don't have a plan, then you become part of somebody else's plan. Ah, that's Terrence McKenna? And, yeah. And those two things, mm -hmm, and those two things kind of happened around the same time and I was like mm -hmm, yeah I'm really seeing this because I got what the world told me was a stable job 
And then a pandemic hit and I was laid off. And I was laid off for real. I was taken off of standby. My boss called me and was like, so we can't have you back because, you know, it's still not picking up, you know, business is not picking up. And so, you know, that was, that was the moment in July of 2020 where I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I got my business license and I just, I did it. And it has continued to work, which has been very surprising and and very cool. And, uh, like I'm it's still a little surreal where I, I put out like I'm open for commissions and then people are like oh cool finally you know here here's a bunch and then just oh oh wow like my bills are paid it's amazing <laughs> that is amazing absolutely amazing and you know one of the things that I've realized I tried to tell this to some of my friends once we were in a band together and three out of the four of us were chiropractors and I said to them I you know it's funny right and I yeah. said to them, I was like, guys, I was like, you know, we became chiropractors and we used the magic that you and I are discussing right now. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we mm-hmm. thought about being a chiropractor and then we talked about being a chiropractor and then we took action by going to school and learning to become a chiropractor. And then all of a sudden we have a chiropractic career and degree in front of us. Right. But that is yeah. the manifestation process. It's just applied in a practical pragmatic sense that society encourages you to to follow yeah and so it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem it doesn't seem amazing which it's so normal it's like oh whatever Mm -hmm. you know but if you if you step back and you realize what that and i shared that with them i was like guys we can do that with the music right like all we have to do is Mm -hmm. believe it think about it speak about it take action and just not give up, right? You got to keep moving forward, right? You mm-hmm. can't sink into self-doubt. Yeah. You got to keep going forward. And then it's just like the the nature or the universe will just be like, okay, like here, here we go. This is what we're doing. Perfect. Yep. Opens it right will up. not grind you under. Yeah. You'll land in that <laughs> bed of feathers. Like you said, Yep. you know, and, and that's so important. It's like, you have the plan and you just go for it. Go towards yeah. it. And you only lose if you give up really. Exactly. And that has been Mm -hmm. a reoccurring theme so much in my journey, you know, and I feel like I'm still just getting started, even though that's not necessarily true, but it was like just courage continuing to build over Mm -hmm. time, you know? Yeah. Um, But it's like, that's one of my like staples that I hold is like, it's just, you only fail if you give up. Mm -hmm. You just, just keep going. There's there's no failure, you know? Yeah. And, and it does, It, it really takes time. And, yeah. and especially with a freelance art career, like it takes time to build clients and to build followers on Instagram and stuff. And, and it takes time to find the right shows to go to once shows are a thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been doing all online stuff, basically all online, online stuff. Sure. And uh, I, I used to go to street fairs and stuff, and that was amazing. I love art fairs. They're so fun. And now the pandemic is like, no. You can't have that. Um, so I've been doing all online stuff. Um, well, but talk, uh, I forgot what I was getting some, at. I'm all excited about art fair. Well, talk me through some of the practicality of like um, having an online art business. You know, like how did you build your following? And yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah, some of that stuff, I guess I'd love to hear mm-hmm. about. Yeah, I would say that the most helpful that I've had in developing an online presence has been the book by Corey Huss, 
um, how to sell your art online. Okay. And he he kind of touts himself. He he kind of puts himself out there as like an internet marketing guru kind of guy. But um, he's kind of like the least snake oily version of a lot of this stuff that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, yeah. you know, one of the things, I think the most important thing that I got out of that book was that when you talk about your art, you have to talk about it in an emotionally relatable way. Mm. Like, it's less fascinating to people to hear that you, you know, found a cool reference photo and painted this cool animal neat, you know, but it's way more interesting if people know, like, the emotional connection that you have with the animal and then they can relate to that because when people buy art they buy art on an emotional basis you know the people who you are appealing to are not the people who are going to target and buying whatever matches their couch you know they're going and they're they're looking for meaning and they're looking for um like an emotional connection with you the artist so it's like when you're selling your artwork you're selling a a piece of you Mm -hmm. you're selling a, a part of of yourself and it's like your story and one of my favorite examples of this from real life was at an art fair that I did one time it's called art on the ave uh sixth ave in Tacoma it's so good I'm so excited for it to happen again ah. and this um older gentleman came up and he saw one of my pieces and he said what is this one all about like what what's the meaning behind this and so I told him I was like oh you know the main character in the front here she's facilitating this little sprout you know and then those are her dreams and hopes and then the other characters up top are they had these speech bubbles with like foreign letters and words and stuff on them like made up script and they were all upside down and laughing and mean and and they were saying all of these mean things and so it's kind of like uh you know facilitating your dreams despite what everybody tells you um and he was like I'm going through that right now. I am retiring and I want to start painting and making art. And people have told me to, that you're too old to do this and blah, blah, blah. And he bought the piece. because <laughs> it, it, it hit him, you know, it yeah. was a poignant moment for him. And that, that means he's going to cherish it. And that's so, so cool. And that's, I think the best thing that I've learned from that book and just from experience too, like it's proven itself through experience that, an emotional connection to the artwork is the most important thing. Like looking cool and looking good and being professional is all really important too. But if you can't speak about your artwork in a meaningful way, then it's really hard to like get meaningful followers, you know? Yeah. There's all all sorts of really fast ways to get followers. You can even like buy follow for follow kind of things, but it's not meaningful because you've just traded a follow and you're like I don't even like what you do like I don't know who you are I don't know yeah, what yeah. your deal is and organically gaining the followers it takes so long but as soon as you keep doing that like you you have your collectors and you have your your like people you know you have yeah, your yeah. your village <laughs> yeah and I think the curve is exponential so like you know you're sort of coming and you're it feels like it's flatlining it's just growing 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 slowly 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 and all of a sudden, those numbers start to go up, and then it's like, oh, 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 okay, here we go. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And 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 that's the most important way to to get people to see your stuff is if it's like word of mouth. It's like, oh my gosh, my friend would love this, or yeah, yeah. 
you know, I commissioned this piece for my friend because I thought that they would really like your stuff and that kind of thing. And, and as you solidify yourself as a person and you know what your values are and you know what your interests are and you know kind of what work that you need to make to express yourself in a good way, as soon as you get to that point, people start to feel it. And they start to see it in your work and they're like, oh yeah, this is a vibe that I relate to and I can see that you are like my people. And so I, I want to support you. Yeah. They can feel the authenticity. Exactly. Yeah. It's the authenticity for sure. Yeah. And you, you said something, I forget the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of like, as soon as you're like set in yourself and you kind of know what you're trying to say, right. You're coming across with a certain level of confidence right? When you now present the mm -hmm. art and that yeah. speaks volume two, it's, it's a sureness. You're sure of it. You're sure of yourself. You're sure of the product. You're sure of how to talk about the product. Mm -hmm. And then just, yeah, and you're not, and you're not pulling back, you know, you're not afraid of being like too weird or too hard mm -hmm. to understand, you know, it's, yeah. it, and that's something that I've always struggled with too. It's like my art for a long time. I told myself during my self doubt, you know, and to an extent, I'm still dealing with it. But you know, it, it like I said, it takes time. But yeah, yeah. you know, I, I struggled a lot with my work is too weird. You know, I've, I've struggled a lot less with making authentic work, as I have with believing that people will like it. <laughs> mm. It's like, I made this weird thing. And what kind of person is going to like this? And the longer you do the authentic things, the more people see and like it. And it's, it's very cool. It's like, I can't believe that you bought that. It's so weird. <laughs> like, I love it. It's, so you, you kind of start proving yourself wrong as you keep doing it. It's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize, too, how weird everyone is. Everyone's weird. Life is weird. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it you is. Know? Humans yeah. are inherently weird. We're the so weirdest animal. Yeah, like, I, I think about this, this has been a major thought this last like few weeks. But, you know, I think about my relationship that my dog has to me, and I know, like, she doesn't have these thoughts. But I think to myself, I have to be such a strange creature to her, because I am grabbing things. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it was when we were in the pet store, and she wanted like, you know, she was like looking at the toys in the pet store, we were buying food. And I just like pick something off the, the shelf, like, that was, you know, two feet above her and she sees me do it. And I'm like bringing it with my hands down to her face. And I'm just thinking to yeah. myself, like, I've got to be such a weird creature for her. Cause, cause she can't do this, but I do it for her. Like, <laughs> how, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say right now? Yeah. It's so bizarre. So bizarre. Yeah, exactly. It's like, one of the things my friend said one time, he was like, you know, saying things as if from the dog's perspective, he's like, oh, the humans just stare at rectangles all the time. Yeah. You know, it's like, Staring at rectangles. Staring at rectangles. It's like, why do they do that? What's so fascinating about it? It doesn't smell interesting. You know, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it doesn't smell <laughs> it's interesting. It's funny. Yeah. My dog is hardly, yeah, it's just I this should, electronic brick. Yeah. She hardly notices the noises coming off of my cell phone. Like, even if we're like FaceTiming with family mm -hmm. and they're saying like her name. Like she doesn't respond. It doesn't interest her at all. It's like it doesn't even register. Yeah. It's like, meh, I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. They just tune it out. Yeah. <laughs> the most I ever get is when we're watching nature documentaries and some bird makes a fun sound and the dogs are like. Yeah. Birds are what? another dog barking. <laughs> if a dog barks on it, then she's like. Oh, yeah. Huh? 
hey <laughs> where's that coming <laughs> who's from? that guy yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely well that was beautifully practical advice um and i think that's so important about really connecting the amar- the art emotionally to your to your fans to your supporters your audience it's mm-hmm. it's like so beautifully practical and simple and true mm-hmm. it's like we're all so obsessed with vanity metrics like oh how many followers do i have how many plays do i have blah 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 yeah and it's like that doesn't it just doesn't it's not going to fulfill people but it's not actually going to support you as a full-time artist right it's like no Mm -hmm. it's developing true connections with people who want to support you Mm -hmm. yeah and and certainly some metrics matter for some things you know like you you do want your reach to be actually like reaching people yeah but you know it can't be the only thing exactly you know and it's certainly not emotionally gratifying like when someone says you know this piece really resonated with me and and you hear that and you're like ooh, yeah that's why i'm here that's why i'm doing this you know mm-hmm. i'm not here for the followers i'm here for the nice things that they get out of my art you know yeah yeah making a difference in people's lives and connecting with them yeah and expressing yourself at the same time and doing a thing that you love. It's just like the full package. Amen. It's just, it's hard to get here. Yeah. It takes, time. <laughs> it takes time. Yeah. It takes self, yeah. self-development, self-work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the it... attitude's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's the most important piece. And then once the attitude and the confidence is up, it's like, it's just action from there. You're just, it just snowballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yep for sure well tell us i would love to hear a little bit about your art like you you know you said it was weird we know it's about animals but for people who have never mm-hmm. seen your art before like <laughs> talk about your inspiration your art and kind of your mm-hmm. style what would you say well, my elevator pitch is is that I do spiritual and colorful multimedia animal subjects. Perfect. Um, because certainly my animals are a lot more than just like one-to-one representations of what they are, what they look like. It's more like what how they make us feel or how what, what they can teach us, what we can learn from them. Yeah. Um, and actually my wi-fi hotspot is on my phone so i need to get my phone charger so i'm gonna ask echo if he will bring me my phone charger please (laughs) he's on it (laughs) love it thank you echo one sec thank you like i said he's perfect love it (laughs) there we go yeah now i can survive on the stream okay perfect um but yeah i do um I, I really love bright colors and I love the um, like kind of, I used to do a lot of fantasy art and that kind of informs my animals now where they are a little bit unreal or they're anthropomorphized or they're, uh, you know, they have a third eye or something. And I, I like, I want people to connect with my animals the way that they can connect with a human subject. So I try to make them relatable or I want them to tell human stories and that's, that's kind of like my goal with artwork. But I, I also tend to have kind of a goofy streak. I recently just 
did a whole goofy thing about sponge frogs and I made frog toys like I cut them apart and glued them onto sponges and I made a whole like badly translated website and they were like a bootleg product and I don't know I was just having a really good time with it and I'm learning now to kind of like steer towards the silly humorous stuff if I want to because it is a big part of me I love laughing and I like making people laugh and it's really fun and so I I have kind of a humorous streak too but like more than anything I just want people to see animals in the light that I see them which is just I'm amazed by them and they can be so funny and they can be so relatable you know we're all animals and all of our values are really all the same you know family the wolf pack you know the lion pride you know food security you know your territory is important it I think that we can learn a lot from animals, especially because they're not ego driven and they are a part of the ecosystem in like a perfect flawless way. And they're, they're basically like a goal to achieve. So that's basically why I pretty much only do animal subjects Mm kind of relate to Bob Ross in that way. (laughs) (laughs) I only do nice nature things. Um, Hey, that's okay because a lot of artists have a lane. My friend only paints like foil like balloons and foil objects whoa yeah that's hard (laughs) yeah and she makes a living that way that's amazing I mean they can tell that they're fascinated by that and the fascination is translated to the work I bet yeah so you know yeah yeah, Yeah, I I have a friend whose mom only paints abalone shell like big long format kind of abstracted like mother of pearl colors and stuff that's Mm. all she does Mm -hmm. and that's really cool because I feel all over the place a lot of times. I'm like, well, one time I'm doing a cartoon animal and tomorrow I'll do a very serious spiritual piece about personal growth. Oh, you know, or I'll, I'll just, my style oscillates a ton. I do all these medias, you know, I, I get bored easily. I can't like sit on one thing for too long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've just started embracing it. I don't know. I'm not the kind of person that does a really big, intense study of one thing and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really admire people that are so fascinated with like, a very particular thing that they spend all this time exploring it that's really cool yeah it sounds like you have you have themes right i mean even making sponge frogs it's like how can i explore animals (laughs) in a fun and creative way it's Mm -hmm. beautiful i like that you made a website for it oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i wanted to make like a really like low tech um I put like GIFs and scrolling marquee and stuff and like alternating caps on the font. I was like channeling my high school HTML class. I was like, I want this to feel really dumb, (laughs) (laughs) bad on purpose. No, like a, like, like a bad meme or something with like bad grammar, you know, (laughs) I I wrote out a bunch of sponge frog lore and then I translated it to Spanish and back to English and back to Spanish and to Cantonese and then back to English. And so the grammar is all messed up and great. And it's, it's, I I had a great time. It didn't end up being like a financial success, but I think I made some people laugh. So I'm counting it as a win. Yeah. What's the website? How do you, what is it? It's (laughs) It's um, it's a NeoCities website, which is kind of like a rejuvenation of the old GeoCities. Okay. So the actual website, and you have to type it in exactly or else it won't work. It's HTTPS, you know, colon yep. slash slash yep. spongefrog, one word, dot NeoCities dot org. 
Neo Cities. Okay. Cool. And it's it's enormously irreverent and silly. So yeah, but it I hope fun. it makes people laugh. <laughs> yep. And I did. I made real sponge frogs. I bought it was an amazing tax write-off. It's the best thing I'll ever put on my taxes for write-offs. I'll be like, well, I had to buy sponges and plastic frogs for this art project. Like, I kind of hope I get audited so I can explain it to someone. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. I bought used frogs on eBay. <laughs> I'm an artist. What can I say, right? She's I, made, I made little frogs. Oh, I think it's great. Exactly. It cannot be defined. I feel like this is just the beginning of the frogs. <laughs> I hope so. I hope people like them, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I made well, stickers and all that, you know? If you can connect an emotional story to those frogs somehow <laughs> and related to people, you might you find that you're moving some sponge frogs off the shelves. Yeah. And you know what? Humor is a very powerful emotion, sure. you know, comedy. Sure. If you can yeah. make people laugh, their, uh, their defenses are lowered and it's like, Oh, thank you. I feel good now. Like laughing and smiling is good for you. So yeah. I always really like to do humorous things make people laugh i don't know it's fun i don't know if i'm like a comedian but you know it is fun to do if i can <laughs> well comedy is creative so i think it's all about mm -hmm. just like yeah, yeah how you choose yeah. to express that creativity yeah. absolutely well performance we're, art yeah so where can we find more of your art I know, but mm -hmm. kind of. Uh, my website is marandart.com. It's M A R A N D A R T.com. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that's where I keep most of my, my gallery. And there's a shop link for more recent pieces. But I am on Facebook, Miranda Cromwell Animal Artist. I'm on Instagram, just at Miranda Cromwell. Mm -hmm. um, Twitter, at Art Miranda, because Miranda Art was taken. <laughs> um, yeah okay i'm pretty easy to find you can just google my name but yeah uh, having a strong online presence is important yeah and i'll put it in the show notes all those links for sure is there anything in cool. closing yeah anything I can in closing you. you want to share with the listeners inspiration hmm. well thanks for listening i guess <laughs> <laughs> um yeah thanks for listening um don't give up. I don't know. Be be true to what you want to make. You know, mm -hmm. don't don't cater to what people say sells cuz most of the time they're wrong. Yeah. And just uh just jump in. Just try things. Amen. Yeah, jump in. Yeah. Make what you <laughs> want to make because your authenticity will come through then. Yeah. Mhm. Mm awesome, Miranda. Absolutely. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been really fun. Oh, thanks for coming on. It's so good to connect with you in real life. I, well, as real life yeah. as a video call is these days. But uh, that, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's as close as we got. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, so yeah, thank you so much. This, has, sure. been, this has been great. I'm excited. Absolutely, I'm excited. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Miranda. We'll talk soon. All right. We'll All right see bye. you later. Bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Reconnecting to the Artist Within. To join the conversation and dig deeper into your own creative process, hop on over to our private Facebook group, Reconnecting with Our Inner Artist. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider listening to one of the other powerful interviews on this channel. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you have a moment to leave a review, that would really help the show reach more people just like you. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Mike Murray, and I look forward to bringing you more quality interviews like this. Much love and peace, and have a great day.